Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Dad's Podcast. I'm here with my main man, Dr. David Wardy. How's El Paso this time of year, buddy? Buddy, it's, it's been raining a lot. Are you guys really? getting any rain? Because we're getting your rain right now. Vancouver is just beautiful as ever. We're still stuck in summer, which is great. So uh, funny that down in El Paso, you guys are getting rain and we're, we're nothing but sunshine. Yeah, now we're having here. another green desert year, which is a rare thing. But yeah, it's been nice, man. Nice, cool mornings, evenings, nice rain hitting us yeah. every other day. So I'm loving it because you know how dry it gets down here. No kidding. Well, I don't because I haven't been there yet, but when I do go, I'll be able to see it for myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Buddy, we've got a, such an amazing guest on. Uh, I'm so excited to have Jay Demerit here. He's an ex-pro footballer, played for Watford. I'm going to introduce him just a little bit, but it's funny because we connected first on Instagram. He's like, we, we have a mutual friend and uh, the mutual friend was like, hey, Jay's looking for a charger for his aura ring. And like, as soon as someone has an aura ring, <laughs> slowly enough, yeah. as soon as someone has an aura ring, like, you, you know, they must know some stuff that, that you want to talk to them about. And so we ended up, you know, getting a chance to connect a little bit. And and as soon as he started telling me about his foundation, which he's going to get into, I, I had to invite him onto the podcast. So let me give you a little backdrop of, of Jay. He's actually an, a U.S. Uh, citizen living in, in Canada. He grew up playing on Premier League in Chicago, eventually made his way overseas I don't know if he knew at the time he was going to play for Premier League, but he made his way into the Watford uh, Football Club, uh, played in the Premier Division 2006-2007. I mean, this guy is like the cream of the crop. He played in the highest uh, ranking, you know, football league in the world. And then he came back to Vancouver to play for our local uh, team who entered into the MLS called the, the Vancouver Whitecaps. And now he's he's put his energy, and I'm going to get him to share more in depth on that, into leadership and really talking to the next generation of athletes and how to be more versatile and maybe your mindset and your focus and how to not just put all your maybe eggs in one professional basket, but to really, you know, spread your wings and, and learn more about yourself uh, in this journey. So and he's doing leadership camps and things with kids here. It's just amazing. But anyways, Jay, thank you so much for being here on the call with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, anytime, you know, I get a chance to, to share, you know, some of the unique experiences that I've, I've been so fortunate to have, you know, I, I welcome the opportunity. And, you know, again, like you said, Nick, when we connected first, first time again, I, I kind of felt the same way that I could see that, you know, your interests are, are where they should be, you know, your understanding of people and, and, and how you try to do good in your world, again, is, is very, very clear. And so, again, I'm very happy to, to come on a podcast with you guys. So thanks for having me. Awesome. So he's also a dad too, right? So damn, yes. I yeah. have a, I have a six year old, uh, and actually his mom's an Olympic gold medalist, and so together we are uh, uh, quite a, uh, a a couple that we are, we're no longer together. So I do a lot of co-parenting these days too, which I'm happy to talk about. We, we very happily co-parent and had been able to figure out that relationship within our parenting world. And you know what a what a world we live in. But we know the do the, we do the best we can, and and uh, we've been able to so far so good. As a six year old, he, he's a happy kid. 
it's it's amazing i mean i love that you shared that because it just shows like wherever you're putting your energy i mean you're you're making success happen and i I know not that jay has the most perfect life but he he's really disciplined himself in order to move towards success and that's something that i really gathered from you in our in our first few interactions and and it's almost like you i don't know what it is like maybe it's like can you can you Give us a little bit of an idea of that sort of success mindset and, and what happens when you str- stumble through different things and, and why that's so important to you. Because I think that that would be helpful. Yeah, I think mine was, it, it was kind of built through a couple of different ways. One is, is of course, the, uh, you know, the power of positivity. I, I think, you know, I learned, I had two good, really good friends when I was a teenager and they're still my best friends now. And uh, we were just always like, we always used to talk about how awesome everything was. Yeah, but that kind of, it was kind of a shitty situation or whatever, but you'd be like, yeah, but that part's awesome. You know, like you, you meet somebody, you know, who follows you, whatever. And you're like, yeah, but at least your shoes are pretty cool. You know, like we'd always be like, always saying like one-upping each other to like, like to say how awesome everything was, but it wasn't, it was just in a way to kind of really create the power of positivity. And how when that happens, you know, there are really no problems. They're just, you know, problems that have something awesome within them so we'll just focus on that and so within that like i guess i've kind of developed that mindset i remember really thinking about it more consciously probably in my teenage years like as i got into college that's when i really hung out with my friend ty uh again he ended up being my first business partner we're still business partners now 16 years later so you know again you got to have the right people on board i think and I, i was someone that again came from a good family i had good support system my both my parents were teachers gym teachers and so I was always around coaches and educators. They were kind of always in the same little ring where I grew up. And um, I, I grew up with a lot of different things around in my life. You know, I played basketball, I ran track. My dad was the track coach. His mom was a track coach. Um, um, and so I think, you know, I, I just grew up in that environment where you were inquisitive, but you also supported at the same time. And I think having that um, upbringing was a big advantage to me. Because when I started to make my own decisions as like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, you know, I got to school. I went to Chicago for university. That was kind of my first, like, get out of town, 18, 19 years old from Green Bay, Wisconsin. You know, again, coming from support, coming from, like, a holistic environment of participation. I think that's – and, again, I build that into my programs as I go here. Um, But, you know, I come from that environment. And, you know, we are products of our environment. I'm sure you guys see this a lot. But – you know, my environment was safe. My environment was was encouraging, but it was also like encouraging me to try new things and to, and to really keep accountability within my who I was and as, whether it was my grades or whether it was just showing up on time or whether it was like winning a trophy, you know, all that stuff mattered. And I would say like, you know, as people always say like, what were your parents like? You know, I was be like, they were really supportive, but they kept me accountable. If I scored two goals in a game and I, the next game I wasn't even walking, I was running around and not paying attention. My dad would have me in the car and be like, you know what, dude, you know, last week I watched you and you're this guy. And like today you're walking around like you, like you, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff where it's critical, but it's not like get out of my car and everyone talk to you again, kind of idea. <laughs> and I think getting that, getting that right is important in development and how we coach it and how now how we coach it. Like, also how it, we live in a world now where critic criticism is actually really, you gotta be really careful. You know, you can't say what we used to be able to say or talk about what my parents would say to me, but you know, you got to adapt too. And so, I, but again, I come from those environments and I think it really helped me as I started to get into my own world at 22, 23. Cause I, again, I had that support, but I also knew enough because I had caught, kept myself accountable and people have also kept me accountable at the same time where I could be clear in my decision-making. Mm-hmm. 
What about that idea or that vision or the dreaming that you did at, at a young age? Did you did that play a role? Like, did you see yourself playing in the Premier League? Like, what what were sort of like the was it a, was it like wow I'm I'm actually here or did you kind of have that idea that you you saw yourself there? What what was some of that sort of interpretation that you had in your in your dreaming? Um, I, I think it's a good question because it does kind of lead in, lead into what I was just saying. As like a, you know, at 18, 19, you come in, you're, you're green behind the ears. You don't really know what you're doing. You come into college again. I know you've, you've played sports and, and, and those at those levels. And it's like, you kind of get why you're there. You're generally, if you get a scholarship or something, you're pretty good at something. So you'll have a little bit of confidence in your skills. And, you know, again, like, and I came from a small town, so I like had a nice, nicer attitude. I wasn't, I wasn't like the big kid in this, you know, I, I got recruited very small out of the, out of, out of high school. So I had to come in with a little bit of humility and all those other things. But, you know, at 23, I was a, I was an all American, but I didn't break it. I didn't get drafted, but at least I knew my story enough to know that because I came from that back door and because I didn't have like this whole Academy upbringing while I was like told I was awesome all the time. And I had played U16 national team and played for my national team. Like I didn't have that traditional story to like a wire the pros make it. You know, like especially in soccer, you know, these kids are all all state moving into their national teams, regional teams, whatever it is. And then they make it pro like that was the path like for 99 percent of the people. You know what I mean? It's, even back then, it was it was the majority of the path now even more so. But again, like I, I didn't I didn't play soccer on a full time level until I was 19 because I was playing basketball and running track in the other seasons. And so I didn't play soccer full time until I was almost out of the academy system. Wow. You know, and so no one knew who I was. No one, no one knew, you know, my name wasn't on that piece of paper. And then all of a sudden I had three years and I changed positions in college and then became an all American and defender. And that's why I only had almost two years of like being known. And so by then I'm like, if you look at a list of like a scout anywhere in the world, they're, I'm going to be like off the page. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I guess that understanding being conscious of like who I was and what I was good at and, and really assessing myself all the time and again i went to school for design so i was taught through a design brain like how to look at a problem creatively or how do you you know i went to school for product design so that teaches you how to take any problem from a tv remote to a car and go okay what can i fix with that how do i how do i mimic that which parts work which parts do i need to change and then this time i'm going to change the wheels and make them a different material like that's design mind there's no like oh my god this car sucks i'm never going to build a car again like we don't think you don't really learn to think that way. You learn to think of like, this is something that exists. How do I make it better? How do I not take things personal on the way? Because when you design products, you get criticized all the time. Like again, like you you make a remote for the first time, all of a sudden everyone's emailing Sony and being like, "Oh, this remote, you know, this remote sucks. I would this, the buttons don't work and all these other things." And so, in a way, like you think of life that way as when you train in this, you know, I went to school for four and a half years and got my degree in it. And so I just, I think I had that built inside of me too, without knowing it, you know, like I didn't know that until I've, I've done lots of things looking back at my story now over the last 15 years. But like, uh, I, when I spoke to the design community, that's really what I figured out. It was like this whole idea of like, as an artist and as, especially as a designer, I'm sure if you guys have studied design thinking, but like, it is just it's a mindset, but it's also about this like ever evolving product that you're just trying to make better every day. And you can change. We have the pro you have, we have the, we have the knowledge as, as humans to change our buttons, to understand what's not good about us. What are, what's our user experience? Is everyone telling me a jerk and telling me that I'm an asshole. Then I should probably, maybe I am, you know, if the user reviews 
are telling me this in a bunch of different ways. But if I'm not listening, but again, if I look at, if I am listening, then I should be able to refine myself with that. And I think I was very much of that mindset where, you know, when I left for college, from college to England with nothing but a backpack at 23 years old and a design degree, thinking I'm going to go be a Premier League soccer player. No, like to answer your question very long windedly, that's not really what I was thinking. It was just like, I feel like I have something else to give. I feel like they don't know my story. I know myself to know enough that I should listen to the head coach of this pro team that said, I'm not ready. I should listen to the guy next to me. That's from England who used to play for a third division team in England and said, dude, you should go to England. I can see your game suiting yourself. Well there, you know, cause these are like, you know, you got to look at the people around you, but I think you also have to listen to yourself. And most importantly, because only, you know, you, uh, no one knows you better than you, in my opinion, especially if you've been paying attention and you have a good support and like, you know, bad support, you may not know because if your parents don't care and no one ever, and you don't listen to anyone telling you how bad or good you are, then you know, that's when decisions can go wrong. But again, if you're conscious, you have a lot of friends that are telling you, no, dude, go like, good job. Like you, I, you know, two years ago, you, you're like 10 times the player that you were, and you're just like, you know, keep going that, that I was getting those whispers from people. Again, it wasn't someone that would give me a contract, but it was still someone that I, I, I felt like I could believe. And again, going back to that source of, of me just being able to understand and really believe in myself was the biggest thing. Cause I gotta be the one that does it. And, and, sure. and you know, we teach this all, all the time, especially cause our, cause our, t- our programs are teenagers. And so again, they all think that they're, they've made it. Mm-hmm. they get they go play for the white caps and i go speak to the u16s or i go talk to a u16 kid and i'm like like telling me that like they're going on this tour and i'm just like but yeah dude there's you know there's thirty five thousand kids in your position right now you, you know what i mean and but we're not telling them the numbers we're not telling them the realities that they face and we're not giving them that objective approach to constructive supportive criticism mm-hmm. and so again i've always been like that and i, I think that uh, the seven of the ten years i played pro i seven i was chosen captain by the managers and so again it wasn't because i was exemplary at the position it was it was because i, I was relatable in that room and you're really relatable when you know what it's like to sit on the bench you know what it's like to be punched in the face you know what it's like to win a trophy you know you know what it's like to not have anyone believe in you you know what it's like to you know, to, to believe in yourself, you know, all those things allow a leadership to kind of happen. And only through my kind of well-rounded experience, again, good and bad, that's how you become well-rounded in this life is uh, it it was apparent to a lot of, a lot of people that kind of would put me in that leadership position. But then because I was in a lot of those positions, I did want to relate. I could relate to the guy sitting on the bench and be like, dude, I know exactly what this feels like. You know, and I, yesterday you came in training and you weren't, you were a bit off the races. And I know what it feels like to like, feel like you're not going to play the rest of this season. But then I'm like, but dude, you're making $5,000 a week right now by sitting on this bench. And I know how far it took for you to get here. And I know what it's like to sit on that buck, that bench for 40 bucks. And believe me, bro, you got a much better time right now. And so I think, you know, it's your time to get the most out of the situation. You could sit here and dwell on not playing. You could be mad at the coach and call him a dickhead and do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, like you're sitting on this bench for five grand. So if you want to be a part of this group, you better get your stuff together and we'll get, we'll get through it. Nine times out of 10, it works because I, they know that I am right in that situation. They know that I did sit on that bench and waiting, playing, paying for 20, 20 bucks a game, eating spaghetti every week. Cause that's all I could afford. So, you know, within that comes this experience of relation. And, and I think relation is, is a huge part of leadership. I love that. David, go ahead. There's so much stuff uh, we could talk yeah. about there. <laughs> you just threw like 30 nuggets, Jay. And I'm trying to pick pieces, okay? 
But I want to back up. I have a couple questions just so I don't lose my thought. You hear a couple things. You live your life in creation. You're a creator. I'm a creator. So I, me and Nick totally get what you're talking about. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where we want to make things better, right? Um, and it sounds like you've done that pretty much from early age all the way to adulthood right now. And you don't live in this reactivity to the environment around you, which I love, right? Mm -hmm. The other piece that you were talking about uh, really quick that I want to talk about is the multi-sport. So let me ask you something. You didn't just play soccer. You played these other sports. How do you think big picture, like with your athletic career, playing multi-sports helped you uh, in the longevity, even just playing soccer? Because, you know, you hear this big argument amongst young athletes these days, and there's this thing of, like, some coaches wanting their athletes just to play one sport. Like, if you're going to play basketball, then you're just going to play for me, and I don't want to see you playing other, any other sports. I mean, to the point where they won't even start certain kids because they go and play other sports. 100%. So how do you feel about that? I'm curious on the multi-sport argument. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for a holistic environment, especially in a sporting environment. You know, I have a, I have reasons why. And the main one is a my own experience. Again, like soccer, soccer is played with eleven. Basketball is played with five. Track and field is played with one. And so that alone from a social experiment to an individual experience all become incredible for your development. Because if you got four people to talk to, it's a very different communication level than it is if I got 10, 10 guys to talk to, right? And, 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 in nine, and in soccer, 90 minutes continuous is very different than every 35 seconds of timeout comes the substitutions there. And, and, and it's also very different when I got a 400 meter race to prepare for a, a pole vault uh, and I got a high jump six foot. If I'm going to think I have a good match, that's me versus me. Like that, is, that has nothing to do with the competition that's around me. That's that's me inside of my own mind that's going to prepare for that jump. It's going to put that, put that pole up and go. And that's what I did in, in, in my experience, right? And so that alone, I think multi-sport is. And in, in, in what I always say to, to kind of combat this problem, if the programs don't want that, is bring in other sports and put, it in, put a basketball court in your gym. You can, you're still in control in the soccer community. Bring in a basketball coach, again, who would love to come and train with his professional soccer players. You know what I mean? Like what ba ex-basketball and university person in Dallas, L.A., Chicago wouldn't be like, what? I can come train some professionals or some semi-pro soccer kids and like teach them how to play basketball or like help with their athleticism because on corners, it's exactly the same defending because it is. And that's what made me a good defender. And so this is kind of where I was going. And I give you a kind of a personal experience of why is, um, is, is I play basketball and my job on the basketball court was to shut down the forwards. So that they're scoring for, I, I scored six points a game. I was a point guard, but my job was defensive. So I would take their scoring forward. They're, they're Michael Jordan of the team. And I, and I would, my goal was to shut them down. And so I became kind of like that defender. I, I, I had good accolades my, my senior year. I actually had a, a division three scholarship to play basketball, but my, I had a division one scholarship to play soccer. It's the only two scholarship offers I got. Uh, both very minimal, weren't full rides or anything like that. But I, I got I got offers in those two directions, and my I was I was just a lockdown D. And so all of a sudden, there I am, my freshman year at college playing soccer, coming in as a forward, a goal scorer, and and uh, we got a red card and, a, and an injury to two defenders in our first preseason tournament. So we were out of defenders, and so there I am, like this new kid from Green Bay, like not supposed to play. They're thinking about redshirting me, and I wasn't really playing, and. Uh, and the coach calls me his office. He's like, hey, man, like, 
I see you're like quite athletic, like, cause I was, I came in athletic. I didn't, I wasn't very, I wasn't very skillful in the position. So I wasn't a very technical player. I was just a good athlete. And I kind of get away with it. Like a lot of young college first years are, you know, we come from small towns. We come from places where we're the big fish and then we got to go to these, the next pool up and that's people from all of all around your area and to see how good you are. And so similar type, type of concept. And so I was like, again, positive. I was coachable. I'm like, sure, coach. Like, if you think that I can do that, I said, I've, I've defended in basketball before. And, uh, and so I played two games for the rest of that, that tournament. We ended up like getting to the final of that tournament. We didn't win it, but like, it gave me a good environment to really test my skills to see if I liked it a, but also if I was any good at it. And, uh, I, I never left that position for the rest of my career. And, and in three games, I learned that for 19 years, I've been playing out of position. And so that was another way that I think basketball for allowing me to be a better soccer player. And again, I knew how to run. I was fast because my dad taught me how to run because him and my grandma were, you know, famous Wisconsin track coaches that, you know, know how to develop runners. And so I look at that in my experience and then again, add on to the art, which we've already talked about, like, think about that from a holistic experience that allowed me to go and do what everyone else thought is impossible you know what I mean? Like, I think there's reasons for that. And I think a lot of it is because of this holistic mindset, but also, you know, because I got to do a bunch of different things and be, be in a different social situation. I do call on social a lot in development because I don't think, again, like you think about those sports kids that you were talking about, the 14 year olds, they all wear the same jacket to the same place and all their families are around the same people, right? Yeah. They might have a different color skin or they might live in a different neighborhood, but generally it's like, you play for the team that's around you, that's at the level you are, and that you pay for that jacket, right? Whatever that is. And that's music, art, sports, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But the idea is like, why, why aren't we creating a more well-rounded experience for them? What, what, if, if we're trying to develop, we're not trying to turn them into contracted professional athletes. That's a whole nother story. And again, I think we get these things mixed, like they're the same thing, but they're not. They're completely different. If you have a 12-year-old, why are you treating him like these LeBron James? He's not. He wants to be LeBron James. Every YouTube video of how to be like LeBron James is on there. And now he's being bought into that idea. And it's doing a, a really disservice to his experience as a 12-year-old. Show him that video when he's 20, when he's already won the trophies and he's in, and he's in the conversation. Then you give him the high performance. How do you stay here? How do you stay consistent as a pro conversations and curriculums? In development, if I'm 12... I believe that doing everything you possibly can to give that person a wealth of, of wealth of experience through their own lens, because only then are they can, can they drive their own ship. And if we're in development, that is what we're teaching. We're not, we're not teaching trophies or how to be like somebody else. We're teaching that person to develop their own mind and their own skills by 18 or 19 that they can take care of themselves. That's the basis. That's what we're trying to do. We get all this stuff mixed up there. Where are you going to school? How are you going to be the next X? Are you going to make money? Are you going to do this? It's like all these results up here when really all of them are a byproduct of how you can actually come up as an 18 year old go, that's what I want. I'm going to get it nine times out of 10, but we're not, we're not doing that anymore. We're selling Kool-Aid that actually isn't real. And we're taking all the money along the way. So we create mental health issues as a result. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> Man, the way you painted that picture is so brilliant, and it, and it crosses so many different platforms. Like it's not just about sport, and the way that I hear you describing this. And you know, I remember even when I was playing, you know, high school into college basketball, I was so tied to the identity that this is the position I play. 
Um, this is what I do when I'm on the court. And I know looking back, I wasn't very coachable at all. I, I really wasn't because I had an idea of how I wanted to be based on my, my, the people I looked up to. And I, it took me many years to develop more of this holistic mindset that you're describing. And so, man, the, the importance that you're of, of this message that you're sharing right here should be something that I, I really hope people take to heart because, you know, as you said it, as you create these all these different experiences for people, they get to reflect that experience off their own mindset to see where their gifts are. And so much of our life is like in this like narrow groove of experience where we just can't see who we are in that because we're stuck on that on that narrow groove. Yeah, that's brilliant, man. And I, I to and I totally agree. And, and even on top of that, it's like, how do you train that? And how do you bring, bring tools or how do you give people versions yeah. to practice that safely? Again, like we, we got to talk about safety too, because we also live in an unsafe world where people are being exploited in all, all sorts of directions and that it doesn't allow people to learn freely. You know, when we start learning with restrictions or we start putting restrictions on the learner, it's, 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 again, like if you're developing, you should want to fail. We should want to create systems of, of challenge, but also giving people tools instead of trying to tell them all the time. You know, this yeah. is the big issue with, with development. Now we can, you can Google anything. You can grab this thing and you can just Google whatever you want. And a, you can probably find the answer you're looking for, whether it's true or not. B, there's no way to filter if that is true or not. And C, it's creating a false sense of identity because I read something instead of doing that something because I didn't actually do it because I catch the kids on it all the time. Like in my book, I'll talk and chat and shit. And I'm like, hold on. Did you read that? Or have you done that? Cause if I had done that and I can hear them talking, I'll be like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Did you do that? And be like, what? And be like, did you do that though? What you're talking about? Or did you just read it on the internet? And somebody tell you that some article they read 9.9 .9 times out of 10. There's the answer is, uh, yeah, I just read it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't actually do it. And so there's no, there's no validity in the experience anymore. We can't validate what we're doing. And this is the problem. This is a problem in all of us, but it's like, especially in kids, because it's much more serious. You know what I mean? It's much more serious for have them grow up with that's what they think because they read it instead of like where I grew up, I did it. And so at least I had my own experience. And again, this is where the lens has to come from you. Because again, no kid knows he's good at science until he does it. No <laughs> kid acts, acts with an actress until he gets to get to sit there and put the show on you know we don't know we're good at something until we do it and we don't know it because it's built inside of us even if somebody else thought you were crap but you loved it and you felt energy and you felt alive that's amazing do more of that but again we're not teaching that you know we're not mm -hmm. we're not teaching the kid to understand what that feeling is when they feel whole because again if they come down and said that and dad doesn't like acting he's like shut up you don't know how to act get over there i don't want to teach you i don't want to read your script with you tonight yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's what's happening. This is, this, is, this is all part of the problem because, and this is why it's important to start with our youth because, you know, if you created that, if you created that mindset in your experience till you're 20, what else are you going to do when you're 20? You're just going to listen. You're just going to be like, okay, I'll go get that finance job that I don't care about. Because it, when I was 14, I tried to do acting school. My dad told me he couldn't because he didn't like it. Yeah. And this is where you bring up such an important point on the, on the side of the parenting because the parents, uh, are also stuck in that narrow groove of this is how things traditionally go. And that's how therefore things must go. Um, David, I go ahead, man. Like, I, I know you probably have a follow-up question to, to what you, um, what you were asking. No, I mean, a couple of things, 
you know, Jay, you were talking about growing up, you always found a silver lining to almost everything, right? Like, oh, that sucks, but this is awesome. And it, it kind of sounds like throughout your career, you were even talking about, you know, how some people would try to place doubt on future and sports for you and other people would lift you up and tell you like, that's a possibility. You know, I think a lot of young athletes are told a lot of things as they're being developed and as they're making their way from, you know, adolescence through maybe college ball and maybe to something more. But, you know, what's that mindset there? If you could talk a little bit, you know, to us and, you know, our listeners of, I think a lot of people will just default sometimes when people give them that, that doubt of like, oh, well, it's too hard to make it pro or, oh, that, you know, that's just the cream of the crop. I mean, a lot of people just take that and accept it and then they just give up, right? So I'm curious on your end, like, I know you had people lifting you and you had people saying it's not possible. What was that switch for you to just keep moving forward? Like, you just kept kind of trucking forward and then yeah. it paid off, right? I mean... Well, I think it's a couple, I think it's a couple reasons. One is don't just ask one person, ask, ask at least five. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think is again, if the one person had a bad day that day and you're like, Hey, how did I play? They'd be like, you played like shit. You know what I mean? Like they would, because this is how we project in this world. But it's also like, that's why it's in my opinion, important to get multiple opinions. If you're making decisions, you know, whatever that looks like, is it both your parents, is it your parents and then your teammate you play with. And then it's, you know, some girl that watched you in the stands and then, you know, literally ask the questions. That's the only way we get answers in this life is to ask for the most part. And then they'll tell you. People are, people obviously love that. They love getting asked questions, but we just stop. We, we, we've kind of cut down the amount of questions we ask because of this critical world we live in, you know? And, and I think, you know, finding, finding avenues to ask questions in the right way is also important. Like, when do you ask? Right after the, he walks off the field and they lose 3-0, Probably not. It's probably not the time to ask. You know what I mean? And 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 that's why, you know, when we warmed up, you know, Saturdays was our game, especially at the professional level. Our, our feedback room is on Sundays. We don't talk about feedback on Saturdays, right? Because be, all of a sudden we win 4-0. Guys are at each other's throat. And, you know, somebody's blaming somebody for something. And the coach comes in and wipes the room. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't the time. And so I think that is, is also something that's important from a feedback perspective is, is making sure that the, the pathways are, are safe, but then also um, that, that the feedback is, is, is at a time where everyone is ready for it. If you know what I mean? I think that helps in a lot of different ways. Um, and I th so that's one thing I've definitely learned throughout, throughout that, that side of things. And I think, you know, the, the other side, is just again that self-reflection understanding yourself but again you a lot of times you get to the second part after you unlock the first part by actually asking because then if i'm right i don't need anyone else you know if i become my own best critic but i say best critic not worst critic best critics no worst critics just are always stabbing you know what i mean best critics like okay i see you when you crush it and i also see you when you crap those are best critics because you, they, they see you both sides. And again, that's kind of where I came from. But as I became a critic or a leader, you have to be critical. You have to say, listen, this is why it didn't work. This is why I think, you know, I thought we could, I, I should have covered around that one. And I thought you should have told me, you know, and if I'm not critical that that person didn't communicate and I'm not critical with myself that I should have came behind him earlier to cover him, you know, again, that's good critic. But if I'm like, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. I should, you didn't say anything and all this stuff. That's, that's back to ego and ego doesn't win. 
when in, in teamwork and leadership, like it just doesn't. And, and, and I think, you know, though having that, like, I, but again, that whole kind of like worldview to unlock your own personal lens that usually is true is, is kind of the code to making sure that works. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had to be real honest with yourself a lot of times, man. Like you're saying that ego gets in the way of a lot of athletes and they don't have that self-reflection time to be like critical of themselves and think like, oh, I screwed up. Like next time I need to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, they'll just talk shit and say, no, that was on you, man. Like kind of deal. Yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, we'll, we'll move forward, man. I have a lot of questions. Like I, I'm, I'm loving the conversation. We have a lot in common, man. Like I wasn't, I was an athlete too, but I wasn't the skill guy. I was just an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so I was like the utility guy. I could move around a lot. You know, I got to play a little bit of college ball. I was told I wouldn't be able to play, but I walked on anyway, got to play, got mm -hmm. to travel, got to have some fun, have an experience, you know, when I was an undergrad. Um, but it wasn't because I was the best, best skill position. I never, I never kept myself in the box. And I guess that's my third question. You know, we're talking about development. I think a lot of these kids put themselves in a box and their parents put them in a box yep. by isolating them with like one sport or, oh, I'm not going to allow you to do this. You know, or a kid maybe gets interested in, like you were saying, acting and like the parents like, oh, I don't, I don't want you to do that. Or, you know, like mm. the third question I have is what advice would you give to parents to help them develop their child? As far as, you know, let's say you have a eight year old and let's say they're in, you know, soccer, but, they've been in soccer for a couple of years and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I don't like soccer anymore. I want to do this. Like, would, would you be good with just saying, all right, let's jump ship. Let's try something else. Uh, would you stay on? I'm going to try to stay in soccer for a while and try to do the other. Like, what does that look like? I mean, well, I, I think a lot of times, especially again, I, I had the most experience in kind of the teenagers. So our, our programs are 12 plus. And so, you know, I'm a, again, I'm a big believer in experience and they'll tell you, you know, a lot of times, you know, again, we're always trying to tell others, be like that, do that. And they're like, God, just let me talk. You know what I mean? Like, just listen to me. I've been wanting this the whole time, but no one seems to be listening. That's like your generalized teenage angst, but it's usually comes from that because it's true. Because again, I create programs and I talk, and then I bring in other like influences, celebrities, and we're all talking, you know, but if we didn't build in workshops, then it's just a bunch of three more people talking at them, talking them to be like us. And that's, that's not what real mentorship is. And so, you know, mentorship is to talk because experiences should be shared. It's, it's why elders in all, all, all Aboriginal communities are just as important now as they have ever been. And because that, that storytelling element of why elders should talk and kids should listen, I've been built since the eternity of, 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 of people because it works, because it's true. You know, why, we can save a ton of our development as young people if I just listen if I just listen to the, to, the, to the people that have been there before, because then it saves me a bunch of mistakes along the way. If I just want to say, yeah, whatever you say, I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm going to make a lot more mistakes along the way. And that's why mentorship is way more important, especially now because we have technology that can scale our stories. We don't need to sit on a couch or at a bonfire to learn. Like we can do it through our computers anywhere, anytime. And so I think we could do a better job of that for sure. Finding ways that we can educate or, or finding ways that we can, you know, tell our kids, this is what's going on out there. You know, here's some things. Let's go to this show to show you some culture that you can build some humility into your life or, or you know, cause you're not just some privileged kid on YouTube thinking he's going to get a Lamborghini tomorrow because somebody, you know, I just watched that video that said I could like, 
we need to make sure that we 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 still live in the world that they live in, and that what we call you know obviously in, in our world is meeting them where they are, and that's usually technologically driven, something on their device, something with celebrity, something with uh, you know an experience that they could love to go to a sports game, a movie theater, uh, when Cirque du Soleil comes into town, a music show, you know, you name it. But again, that they'll tell you, if you ask, what do you want to do on Saturday? Oh, I've been thinking about this thing. And as long as you say, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie called Yes Day, where mom's yeah. like, nope, 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 nope. And then the kids get all mad and they're like lashing out at school because mom, you know, like, and all of a sudden she thinks that she's this bad apple and like, isn't me saying yes every time. And then all of a sudden she has to. So it's kind of like, and then she does and everyone gets, has fun and the family comes back together, you know, like in, in a way that's really what's going on in this world. And it's, it's not the mom's fault. It's, it's our fault by creating shitty systems that allow us to have to be so cutthroat that we're not allowing any fun around here because how the hell am I going to be LeBron James if I'm not shooting the hoop 47,000 times a week. And it's just like, it's so not true. And, and, but again, we've, we've created this narrative within all, all the systems, not just sports. Um, but I think, again, changing the narrative is hugely important to how we solve that or how you actually encourage your kid to go and figure out themselves and to like what they like and to be who they are. And I think all of those all stem from, you know, creating a communication level of safety and support all while still going, okay, let's, let's review that performance you got Fs, you got Ds, you got Cs. I don't know, dude. I don't think you can play soccer tomorrow, in all honesty, because you got to get those grades up if you're ever going to be a, you know, a human that can live in this world. You, you know what I mean? Like, let's 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 like get some parameters back. Of course, like we have to live in parameters. It's in, in, that's the only way we ever know if we're doing well or not. In my in my opinion, when it comes to like results and like the ribbons conversation, like we still have to know who wins. You know what I mean? How we get there and the experience in between is how we create safety. You know what I mean? It's not just, you know, all the, the, the back end of participation. You know, I, I just think that's a little bit too skewed. But again, like I, I'm a big believer that you have to know why you win, but you have to know why you lose too. And in the middle, you'll always you'll always be OK. And again, we're trying to create safety. So at 19 years old, that kid can go out into this world and make their own decisions and be OK with that. And it, again, then we live and die by the sword. But at the end of the day, we're not doing that. We're not we're not telling our kids they can be anything they want until they're 18. And then all of a sudden you're giving them wings and. We're like, by the time they're 18, they're like, holy shit, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to trust this person. I don't trust that person. I thought I was this, and I have no idea who I am. And I have very limited skills because I wasn't allowed to learn any of them until, and now I'm 19. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, whose fault is it? I'm ready to blame somebody. Yeah. And parents are like, well, who do I blame? Do I blame you, coach? Do I blame you, kid? Like, who do I blame? And the kids are like, I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> this is this is uh yeah this is the problem that we face in all honesty and so again like you know my mission is to do something about it not just talk about it well let's talk about that let's talk about the solution because and, and maybe a little bit of the journey of, of what you're what you've created and uh and how you're using technology as a tool and and uh and mentorship and and in just even on that note of mentorship i feel like so many people don't even really know authentically what that is and so yeah t tell, take us a little bit on that on that journey of, of what you, you what you've created yeah so as i came out of the game again i was i was so fortunate to be a leader of, of a premiership organization i played in the world cup i was you know in 2010 for the u.s and south africa and then that allowed this opportunity to be the first signing of a franchise in the mls and here in vancouver and so within that experience, I just I, I got to learn so much from from leadership, from teamwork to 
you know, what it's like to be the last one picked to the, to the first one picked, you know, at, at the highest level, you know, and, and so with that, it becomes this experience. But as I came out of the game, I'm like looking back and I'm going, okay, now what? You know, all the people that have played at that level have an experience and high enough to go and stay involved in the game. Like we, we should, in my opinion, if you're not, and you've gone and played in a world cup, and you've played pro and you've done, you're not staying involved in the game and you hate the game that much. Then again, that's, again, that's the institution's fault. That's the game's fault. You know, we should give back those experiences. We should share what we have and then educate the next generation that are trying to be like us. It makes so much sense to me, but I also saw the problems along the way where, you know, I came out of the game and I'm, you know, in a field with 200 kids, all with like three cones and a mascot and one other player. Cause these clubs are all trying to make a bunch of money. You know, they're not, they don't care about the development of the kid. They just set up cones and brought on a mascot. They're not, there's, there's like 20 kids per person. And now all these kids are like, I'm going to be the next white cap. And they're like all paying a hundred bucks for this two hour thing. And it's just like, okay, but what are you, what are you developing? The only thing you get from those environments is social development. That's it. You're not getting, you're not learning how to be a better soccer player. And so again, I started to look at the programs and be like, Hey, I'm going to check you on that. I'm going to say, I'm going to bring in the head of, look at our sponsors. We got BMO, we got, you know, Canby surgery center. We got some sports drink. We got, you name it. Look at the, look at the boards around every stadium in, in the world. You know, there's a million highly professional opportunities to choose from if you talk about mentorship and how we can participate in this holistic world of, of, of education for our youth. And they're like, well, how much is that going to cost? And how much all you all became back down to this bottom line issue of like they didn't want to do it because it didn't help with making them money. And I'm like, no, you're missing it because it will because it creates the culture where the season tickets are coming, whether you win, lose or draw. But but. You know, they, I just, every time I would think about it and every time I would try to go to the organizations, be like, no, let's change this. Let's all bring in the head of BMO. I'll bring in the lead doctor of surgery center. Cause I know him and I know, uh, you know, uh, the captain of the rugby team. And I, and so he'll come in and talk about teamwork and then we'll bring in a basketball player and we'll talk about winning a trophy in the NBA. You know, like, and you're like, what? And I'm like, no, like it's for real. Like, and again, maybe it's just my crazy environment and my attitude, but I was like, how does that not help with our kids? I'm like, well, we just need to teach them how to play soccer because, again, their mindset, their whole focus is to sell on, like, Al Alfonso Davies for $20 million. That's all they care about. They're not trying to develop kids. They're trying to make money, and they're trying to hope that the one that leaves the program every year actually makes them the money that that program costs to tell those kids to be one thing. And again, most of the time it doesn't work. You look across the board to any youth program on this planet, none of them make money. None of them. It's, it's a feeder program so that they can hire one or two pros out of the 20 that will come through the program every year to hopefully sell on for a bunch of money later. The program suffers. The kids suffer because only one kid gets to go out of the 200 that come into the program every couple of years. So again, you got to go interview the 195 other ones and ask them how their experience was and how they have a bunch of confidence in themselves that they're going to go and be a, a, a leader in their professional field that they're frantically trying to search for right now because they've lost everything. I know what they're all going to say because they call me and they go, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Can you help me get into scholarship? Can you help me get a job? I know you like art. I think I might like art. Is there like, do you know anyone in art that could like help me? Like I've had, the, I've been having these conversations for 15 years and like, it's really frustrating for me because I know we can, we can really stop a lot of these conversations. If we, 
if we give them more of a net along the way, so then they have a better idea at the end. And so, or we give them a better mentorship program. And so at the end, we actually create a feeder program through these 20 brands on the wall that go, hey, cool. Yeah, we'll take that guy. We just mm-hmm. saw him. He did an internship here last year through the program. And he was really cool. Too, there's no even needed safety net. Dude's mm-hmm. making more money then than he ever would have did if you're making a first year pro. You know, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It just, I just wish it worked like that because it should. It, and, it, and it's not hard from either side to do that. Why wouldn't you want those 20 walls getting young athletes like the Whitecaps players that are ready and they know teamwork, they know how to show up on time, they know all those intangibles, but yet they haven't had a skill set to know what they, that they know finance yet. But again, if you, if you listen from the time they're 14 to 19 and now we're being released from the program, now they're like, oh yeah, he's been showing financial uh, literacy for the last couple of years. He seems like the math guy. Cool. Let's put him through. Like, again, it's almost a different feeder program where it's, it's if the ones that go great, we all get to cheer for him or her and go, yay, good job. I thought it was going to be you. But then the rest are like, oh, cool. What are you going to do? And it becomes almost like a cool thing instead of a whole, oh, what are you going to do with your life? You have mental health issues. Your identity has been taken away. You can't afford the Jordans you know, that you have on your feet right now anymore because you got to find a job and you don't know because working at Cactus Club isn't a part of your workout. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is what's happening everywhere. And so, yeah, so I just kind of, I look back on that and saw all those experiences and I just thought, you know what, I, I need to do my own program. So I started Rise and Shine seven years ago. Um, and so it's a summer program. We've now done them in five cities across North America. And so it's, again, we plug them in anywhere because it's all about mentorship and a high-performance mindset which teaches like through workshops, uh, a seed planting of skill set. And so we teach mindset first, because if we, if you have a mind, you can do anything. If you have a skill set, you can do one thing. And so our concept of this is that we teach mindset first through the eyes of the mentors. Again, it's a mentorship program first. And that's why we've been able to expand the program is because we have, you know, we have the music program, which is our DJ camps. We do soccer camps and then we do the leadership programs, which are generalized leadership, 12 plus. If you want to come learn about leadership, it's through the mentors of the day. And so they'll get our camps for three to four days. Uh, we've even done one day workshops where there's a long day. And so we teach the skill sets through the eyes of the mentors. And so if it's a chef, they'll come in, they'll talk about what's it like to be the head chef at said restaurant that all kids go to and they all love it, again, depending on where you live. Um, so we'd usually take, you know, the head chef at some cool restaurant downtown and ask them to come out for a day. And so they come out in the afternoon after the skill set is taught in the morning. And so the first thing we teach is through our mental performance consultant. She's our friend, Danny. So she's my partner in our program. She's a DJ. She plays, she just played Coachella, one of the top music festivals in the world, uh, this, this summer. So she's a DJ, but she asked her actually has her master's in sports psychology. And so Mm. She's Team BC's uh, mental performance coach, or was for Canada Games. She works with Olympic athletes. She works with kids. She does a bunch of different things. And so, you know, these are the people that I bring into my team because they're just like me. And, and so, and again, we've had a mindset of success, and that's what we're trying to create. That's what, that's what we're trying to develop. And and so we've built, we've built these camps, and they started in Pemberton. So there, there's mountain, there's nature built into it. We now run them out of Squamish. I own a, a 160 acres on the beach up there with a couple of friends that. Um, so we run the programs in nature and we always um, make sure that the kids are holistic in, in why they come. And so the, how we do that is, and again, I was kind of to combat the idea of all the jackets look the same and all the kids end up being like that, is that if you can create a, a situation where that doesn't happen in a controlled environment, then we give the kids a social environment that will help them grow. 
And so that's why we run a music festival, which is the fundraiser. And then that raises money to send free kids, which we get from the local programs. And so I go out, I get this pool of money from a bunch of adults and professionals that all come out to a music festival and the ticket price goes to the, to the registration of, of our local youth that can't afford it or don't that have think they don't deserve to come. And so we work with first nations programs all the way up to Mount Curry, South Surrey to Nanaimo we do East End Boys Club, which is the downtown inner city program. And we find all these kids every summer that want to come up and we pay for them to come up. All they got to do is get there. And, uh, and so they get to go through this program. And so generally it's three days. And so we'll do six sessions in the skill set. So if it's, it's two sessions a day soccer, one session a day in mentorship and workshop. And so in the end, it's 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. When we do the overnights, it's like a, an 8 a.m. To, to kind of 10 p.m. three-day immersive program. Uh, we don't, we can't do overnights in our new place yet, uh, but we will eventually. And so the concept is that within these walls, they get a holistic experience of, you know, mentors and, and cool people that they, that they respect. Again, chefs, we've had video game designers from EA. We've had other professional athletes that have played in pretty much all sports we've had up. I've had a helicopter pilot land his helicopter onto the ground and give all the kids a, a helicopter ride. Um, talk about flight. What's it like to be a pilot? All these kind of things where the kids are just like, whoa, I'm at soccer camp and I just met, I just got, I just got a helicopter ride. You, you know what I mean? And so the idea was after like three or four years at 20, 30 kids at a time, again, to combat the numbers and, 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 and money issue for, you know, again, keeping, keeping the ideals where they should be is that's development. Um, I keep it at 20, 30 kids. I don't, I don't ever cap it to 200 because then I'm just trying to make money. And that's not the point if you're trying to be a youth developer, in my opinion. And so yeah, so we keep it niche. Um, but then after like three or four years, I realized that it's not really a scalable model. In a workshop level model, it is. So I guess that's scalable. But um, that's a lot of my time all the time. And, and again, I love being a so-called camp counselor, but it's not my 365, in all honesty. I have, I have other things that, um, that, I, that I'm really passionate about that I want to do. But again, the idea of that was I needed something that was more scalable than my physical program. I can see the worth. I can know that it's, it's working, but I, I, it's, I need to scale it in a bunch of different ways. And so two years ago, we pitched this whole idea of scaling our program into a digital version, like masterclass, but for teenagers, um, awesome. and we pitched it to EA. And again, EA, the video game company, they're, they're in Vancouver. So we pitched them and they bought it in the room. And so they, they're like, whoa, this is a video game that's not toxic and it's educational and it's fun. And it's, so the idea is like you take famous people that have blue check marks next to their name and you're like, clip your life into five episodes. Kids get to watch these like bit part biographies of like these cool people that they want to be, their role models. But then within that, they'll realize that the story is very similar to everybody that's reached to high performance. That's there's been a time that no one believed in you. There's been a time where you had a loss that maybe thought that you questioned it at all. There's going to be a time where you broke your leg and you didn't know if you'd ever play again. There's going to be a time where, you know, you had to believe in yourself to go through some adversity that's there. And so what these kids start to realize digitally is that we're all like each other. It's just how far do you want to go? How much do you want to push? You know, look at, I didn't even know that, you know, Jay-Z was adopted. You know what I mean? Whatever. He's not. But, you know, the idea is, is that we learn a lot about, you know, the contextualized versions of why we like things. And so, you know, an actress, we, we just did, we're making some episodes around her. She's got a degree in finance and that helped her help on her contracts later when she became a famous actress. She's like, I knew the math. I know how to do that. And, and finance taught me that. And I guaranteed 90% of her fans had no idea that she had a finance background. So now you got these kids who love her as an actress that actually like numbers and they're like, whoa, 
I didn't know that Tatiatella is like numbers too. That's cool. Now numbers are cool. And so now I like numbers and now I'm cool because Tasi likes numbers. And I didn't even know that, but now I, I've just gained more power inside of me because now I found a relational thing that I can be inspired to by. And so again, these are ways we can digitally do this. We can, we can scale this in a lot of different directions and we do it off the nine forms of human intelligence. And so the cool part about the mental health side, and this is kind of where we really switched the core value of what we're doing this. And it's just to, it's to monitor young people's mental health, but doing it through their own lens. And so instead of your face as your profile, it's going to be their brains. Like we will hopefully launch this year. We've been building this for through COVID, which has been very difficult um, just with logistics and things we have to do with content building and raising money and all the other things that come along with startups. But um, yeah, the idea is like, there's no pro we're taking the two toxicities away and that's profile photos. Like, what do you look like? You know, that starts the problem generally. Yeah. And the second toxicity is, is what can I say to you? Cause if I can't, you know, use your image to mess you up. Now I'm going to say something in you and then my words can mix you up. And so we're taking those things away in the beginning. So it's instead of your face, it's your brain split in the nine forms of human intelligence. So it's all based around like how we gamify your mind is going to be a much more interesting behavior to create than your generalized social media. And so we kind of want to be the antithesis to this. The kids are fed up with it. We're all fed up with it in all honesty. And so now if we can bring in a social media, again, which is driven by celebrity influence, which all things are these days, but again, cool, let's play in that game, but let's do it authentically and say, okay, said celebrity, clip your life into five episodes. We don't just talk about the good stuff. We talk about adversities. We have episodes of the worst days of their lives, you know, certain tragedies that have happened, you know, and so we make sure that we talk about the bad stuff too, because that's, that's also part of development. There's no such thing as adversity in everyone. Everyone has adversity, everybody. And so it's just like, you know, normalizing that and being okay with that. So it's just trying to put all this information on pedestals all the time that, that, that makes people feel like they're unattainable or that they're, they're not good enough, you know? And so it's like, takes those things away, but then it makes it fun because they're learning about celebrities and then the rewards become the best part of the gamified part. So not only do you take quizzes and challenges based on what those celebrities do, you get points for everything you participate in. So if you get a question right about the biography, about, you know, where did they move from Toronto uh, to, to get their actor life? And if you didn't pay attention, you don't get the question right. But if you did, then you get points. And if, and if you, and then you also do the challenges, which is like, you know, a chef teaches you like, this is how to chop an onion. Now grab an onion, set up your phone and you got to chop an onion to do the chef challenge, whatever. And again, you could do this for anything, push-ups for a fitness coach. You could do a, an art competition. We have to draw something from an artist. You could do anything that you can set up this thing, but everyone learns how to do this now through TikTok and Facebook challenges. We know how to set this up and do something and show that you did it. So this is like the whole interactive technology and why it becomes important to how we educate. Because when you, when you can show somebody that you did it and interact with that, not only do you create a deeper bond of the interaction, but it becomes educational because if you do a push-up and I do a push-up, I just learned how to do this push-up contest. Maybe one day it will help me be like LeBron James. So that's cool. I'll do that. And I get points for it too. That's going to give me a, you know, a Zoom call with LeBron, maybe, if I win the LeBron Zoom call contest. Or if not, I'll get to unlock the LeBron JPEG, which every kid gets if they complete all six episodes. So LeBron gives away a digital photo that every kid gets to their screensaver, so they get to feel close to LeBron. So everybody wins. You know, 100 kids a month will get to talk to him on Zoom and actually feel like they're in the room and ask him a question. And then at the top, five kids are going to get to come to the Lakers and do a training session if they live in L.A. Like, 
that's a super scalable in a bunch of different directions. Everybody's winning the whole time. And LeBron gets an authentic way to tell his story. And so within that, it becomes, because I, because I come from those worlds, I know, I know kind of how enough time and effort and creativity can be required to help people tell their stories without feeling like they're being taken advantage of, like from a celebrity side. Again, I wasn't like a super celebrity, but I knew a bunch of them. And so I know the amount of energy, how to treat them, how to kind of really connect with them on certain levels. And again, if you keep the work light, you give them an authentic way to tell their stories and you give them support along the way and give them an opportunity that they can create their own rewards and give back the way that they want to, then they're like, actually, that's kind of cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got an afternoon. Jimmy set it up. You know what I mean? Like, it's that easy. But if you don't know how to get the conversation started, then a lot of times it falls dead before you get there. And so thankfully, again, because of what I was able to do in my life and be in the rooms that I got to be in. I got to have those conversations with people and they got to see that I genuinely care. And so they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. And so finding people for the platform hasn't been hard. Again, EA is our founding partner in the app. So to have the biggest video game company in the world on your team from the start is a big, big deal. Um, but again, it's a startup and there's a lot of moving parts around here. So that's my next challenge is to really get it to the world and do it in a way where it, it has legs and it's sustainable. And that's kind of my biggest issue now is like, how do you actually launch properly do it in a way where if we take all the bet on social media and we don't win, then it goes away. Like that's not fair either. So how do we plug into institutions and how do we get users if, if you know, social media doesn't accept it. And so that's my job now is like starting to work with a lot of the programs, the institutions, the clubs, the academies, and really starting to dig that thing because getting into those institutions isn't going to be easy either because it's not their thing. And again, but the cool thing, and this is where, which is where we start getting the real good daggers is that it's free. And they don't have to do anything except open their doors and say, here, kids, try this. It's fun. You know, that's it. We're not asking you to pay money. We're not asking you anything. Just use it. And I guarantee you the kids will like it because we do it. We've already done it for seven years in person. And what's the difference? It's just that more kids get to use it now. Wow. Jay, what an, like, what an incredible vision. The fact that you're putting this in action and making such a difference in these kids' lives. And you know, I, I can't help but think like there's some there's certain themes in this podcast that you kept sharing and that's having your own lens to look at life through with your own experience so that you're you step in and knowing instead of, like you said, just reading off the internet. Uh, the value that kids are gonna get from going through this experience, whether it be in person or to to gamify the experience, which is where, you know, let's face it, the the next generation is really, you know, that's that's gonna be their their portal into you know as the world changes it's really through technology and what a beautiful way to bring in this idea of mentorship and this realistic experience that people can have and uh and even just from the profile image i mean you guys have thought of so many details that i think are just critical for for child development and, and mental health and and not just mental health but just like optimal health and you know what else is possible and, and being really curious about yourself and and to have more of a holistic life and a life perspective. So uh, it's just so amazing what you're doing, Jay. Uh, David, do you want to, do you want to top in and say uh, anything before we, uh, before we close it up today? Honestly, um, I'm breathtaking, man. Jay, that's brilliant, man. I mean, I love everything you're talking about and the fact that you went and looked at something and said, this isn't good enough and you decided to make something better. And not only have you made it better, like it's brilliant, man. Like Thank I'm you. loving just like from A to Z how you've set everything up and how you're developing it and evolving it. 
Mm. And I, I want to send my kid when he's 12, man. So we got to stay connected. Bring so him up. Can... Everybody's welcome. That's yeah, a thing. Like, for sure, man. I, I just love, I just, as you can, you guys can see, I'm passionate, but I could talk all day about this stuff because, you know, again, not only is I live, I live it, but like, I just understand the power of it. And, and because again, I, 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 because we build these things, again, I don't do this alone. I, I have a great team around me. I have, I have great people. I'm very fortunate to work with. And at the end, you end up getting it of most of the experience and value from the kids, you know, like you change a kid's life in three days through our program. And I, I get an email from a kid that's like, like I'll, I have so many stories every year. And again, we're a niche camp. We don't have thousands and thousands of kids, but it's enough for me to know that what we're doing is working. And like, you know, we give away, like one of the moms emailed me this week. She's like, Can I get a new Jersey because he's put his merch Jersey that we give this. So we get bucket hats and these cool, like basketball jerseys. And she's like, he wants to wear it to school, but he put it up on his wall as like his trophy. Like he doesn't want to take it down from his wall as like his source of information for his school year this year. You know, like he doesn't want to wear it to school. Like it's that like in his mind, that's so high up on his scene. He doesn't want to wear it to school. Like that for me, that's all I need to hear. I don't give a shit if that guy gives me a hundred bucks for two days. You know what I mean? Like I don't need his hundred bucks. That's not the point. Again, it's like, it's like you get these things every year where it's either a kid or a parent that tells me these things that like, in three days, you're, you can make more of a difference than five years of what they pay for that kid to do, you know, and that be on that team or whatever. So, again, that just makes me know that what I'm doing is working, how we scale it, um, how we actually tell the world and make sure we get it out in the right hands is our next challenge. And again, it's not going to be easy. There's no one that, you know, understands the hard road more than me. And so, again, I'm coming in with that knowledge and that, it, like, it, you know, I, I expect that. I, I know it's not going to be an easy ride. It hasn't even to get to this point. It's been really hard. Um, but again, like, how could that, how can you get to a point where you could lose if, 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 if the intentions are, are, are like this, like, how could I ever lose that something will happen or if not, I'll always have a program that kids love to come to. And so I, you know, again, like same idea. Like I just look at what can happen and don't worry about all the adversity that's about to come. Like we'll deal with that when we come. It's awesome, man. Such an important mindset and, and beautiful mic drop for, for everything you shared today, because it really is just that, that belief in yourself and, and to, to be able to move through the challenges of life and, and just trusting that, that you got it. So, yeah. Well, and again, to your point, so as well, like we need people like you guys that want to, you know, give up their, their really time consuming jobs to spread word and create better mental health for people in your circles and in your worlds. And like, this is how this works. And, 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 you know, it's just always nice to, you know, be able to share stories and to be on, you know, people that share like mine, because as you guys know, mm-hmm. guys, you guys are both very successful people. And you, you've seen all the things I've talked about on a high level all day. But again, how do we share that? How do we, you know, as a collective get better at that? How do we share that, that share that knowledge? And again, part of it is doing what you're doing, but I'm just doing what I'm doing. And so mm-hmm. again, together we can, we can do this. So again, it's just, it's just, I appreciate always an opportunity to come on and share stories like this and be a part of what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Jay. Thank you, Jay. This was awesome, man. Yeah, you're bright light, man. And I think that all those kids that just so far they've got a chance to interact with you are blessed. But no doubt, like, this is just the beginning. It's, you know, it really is. It's a, it's a kind of momentum that, that, like you said, has legs. And it's it's just, it, it's inevitable. It really is. That's the way I see it for you. So, and yeah, in any way we can support you, man, we're, we're here. And uh, like like David said, we want to send the kids to the same camp. So <laughs> yeah, we'll sign them up. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good, guys. Again, right, thanks for always around and uh, always appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Have a good day. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Doctor Dads and share with your family and friends. 
You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.